Well, here's a good question I want to start with this morning, and it's this. Is God good all the time? Okay, yeah, yeah. This is, this is good. This is, that was our Sunday school group. <laughs> They're like, we need to respond. Uh, is God good all the time? I mean, you know, we ask that question, and I know the response is, well, yes, he is. But, you know, we, we see this in Exodus 34. Look at this description in Exodus 34, 6. It says, the Lord, the Lord God, is merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in, what's that word? Goodness and truth. He's, he's abounding in goodness. And so we read scriptures like this. You know, we, we heard about it in Sunday school. We learn about this in church. But the question is, is God really good all the time? And I think if we're honest, sometimes our answer depends on the stage of life that we are in. Because if I were to ask you this question, what about when life isn't good? Is he still good? What about when we experience pain or incredible loss, is God still good? That's a difficult question. Um, I'll never forget many, many, many years ago, um, we had a young person uh, in our youth ministry who took their own life. And it was a phone call I was not expecting. It was something that I was totally unprepared for, something that you don't really receive training for on how to deal with that. Uh, but he was a senior who had just graduated high school and had a lot of family turmoil. And in the note that he left behind, he said, I only had two goals in life. One was to graduate high school, and the other one was to be close to my dad. And I've realized now that that dream will never come true. And he ended up taking his life. And it rocked our youth group, and, and as, as we move forward towards the funeral, what do you say? What do you say when you have a mom coming to you asking for answers that you don't have answers to? When you have young people and friends that are broken because of this circumstance. Because as a pastor in that moment, get me, I, I know all the nice scripture verses. I know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I know if God be for us, who can be against us? And I know that all things work together for good for those who love God. But the death of this young man was the first time that I didn't seem to have a scripture verse to match it. And when his mother asked me how this could happen, there wasn't one section of verses that I could point her to that was gonna make this better, that was gonna make this okay, that was gonna somehow ease the pain in this moment. And if you've been through something like that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or maybe you've been on the other side of it, and you felt the awkwardness of not knowing what to say to someone who has experienced incredible loss or is walking through incredible pain. And then you have those who have, you know, when people have lost a loved one, you have other people who say things that I don't even think they even know what they're saying, but they're just trying to help. And they say things like, well, maybe God just needed another angel or, you know, he's in a better place and wouldn't even want to come back if he could. But I'll be upfront with you. I don't believe that God needed another angel in heaven. But I do believe that untimely deaths and painful situations and loss like this are addressed in this scripture in John 16, when Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. And it's not an if, 
It's just simply a when. Jesus says you will have trouble. And the kind of trouble that Jesus is referring to wasn't my car won't start kind of trouble. He wasn't referring to I'm late on my bills kind of struggle or she said something bad about me kind of struggle. The trouble that Jesus was talking about and the trouble that some of you have experienced is in the loss of dreams. When after trying and trying and trying to become pregnant, you finally do and then later you miscarry. And the dream that you had of having a child went with that. Others of you have lost an important relationship in your life, maybe to an untimely death. Someone who died before they should have. And you were broken through that. Maybe your mom and dad got divorced. And it rocked your world and sent you on a trajectory that of pain and hurt and confusion and loss. Maybe it was the loss of a marriage to an affair or to death. Maybe you found yourself a widow much sooner than you ever dreamed. Maybe there was a breakdown in a relationship that brought about its end. Or maybe there was loss in your childhood from alcoholism in your family or abuse or parent irresp- parental irresponsibility. Maybe you've experienced loss or pain through your health that's kept you from doing all the things you wanted to do. An unexpected doctor's visit, an unexpected diagnosis. Maybe it's the loss in finances as you watched your savings dissolve in a matter of months because of unforeseen circumstances. Uh, for a number of years, I was actually a police chaplain, and one of my, really one of my sole jobs was to be a part of death notifications. If someone had died in an untimely way or there was loss in a family, the officers would call me out onto the scene, and I would have to begin to work with and talk with and pray with the family uh, so the officers could do what they needed to do um, at the scene. And I'll never forget, on Thanksgiving morning, when I got a phone call at 5 a.m., and it was the police department saying, we need you, uh, there was an infant death, and we need you on the scene. And so I got ready, and, and we had church responsibilities, and, and I just called and said, hey, I don't know when I'm going to be there. And I took off and went off to this house, and, and you know, I arrive on the scene, and there's police cars there, and, and I walk in, and, and there's a very young father and a very young mother sitting at the dining room table and and he is literally like stone staring at a blank wall not even knowing what to do and their little infant that they had only for a few weeks they brought into bed with them and they accidentally smothered in the night and as I'm sitting there on the scene wondering what is it that I could tell them that is going to bring them any comfort in this moment What could I possibly say? What could I possibly pray that would help them through this? And it's in that moment that you ask, is God good all the time? Is he good even in our heartache and even in our loss and even in our pain? Even though Jesus warned us in this world, you will have trouble. Is God still good in our pain? 
Well, here's something that I've learned. That every single one of us have a story of loss. Every single one of us has experienced pain, and maybe at different levels, but I know this to be true, and this is the first fill in your notes, that your pain cannot be compared to someone else's pain. That your pain cannot be compared to someone else's pain. The loss of someone close is not necessarily more painful than the loss of a marriage, and the loss of a marriage can't be compared to the loss of health. In the moment, pain is real to both people. Pain is pain. Loss is loss. And it's in those moments of pain and it's in those moments of loss that we ask questions like, how could God allow this? And why would God allow this? And where is God in this moment? Has he forgotten about me? Because he feels so distant. He feels so absent from us. And we actually see this exact picture of everything that I've just set up for us. We see this exact same theme in the story in the life of Job. And his biography is found in the first half of the Bible in the Old Testament. And Job had it all. He had fame, he had power, he had money, he had success, he had a wonderful family. I mean, he was like the Bill Gates of his day. I mean, Job had it made. And although Job loved God very much, in one day, Job loses everything. Every single one of his kids die. He loses his livestock, his financial security. He loses his own personal health. And he responded in this moment much like we do when we face pain and loss. He's mad. He's confused. He has questions about the goodness of God. In fact, this is exactly how he responds to his heavenly father after experiencing this. And we pick it up in Job chapter 10 verse 1 through 3, he says, I am disgusted with my life. No, dear Heavenly Father. No, hey, God, it's me again. Hey, good, good Father, it's Job. No, no, no. He begins out of the gate with, I am disgusted with my life. And he says, let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charges you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands? You see, out of the gate, he's he's assuming maybe what sometimes we assume, that God is not only not good, he's actually against Job. He says, why do you reject me? In other words, why are you against me, God? It's a powerful, powerful opening prayer that Job gives. And my question to you is, have you ever felt like that? Have your emotions ever been that raw? Maybe you've questioned God the way that Job did. But here's something so important as we spend the few, next few minutes unpacking this, and this is your next villain, that my lack of control 
is not an indication of God's lack of control. My lack of control is not an indication of God's lack of control. Just because I have more questions than answers doesn't mean that he has more questions than answers. Just because I feel out of control doesn't mean that God is out of control. And if you were God, and Job just said this to you, how would you respond? Well, God actually responds to Job in a very surprising way. He actually uses sarcasm to prove his point, which again, I'm just going to hang out on this hope that sarcasm is a spiritual gift. It just hasn't been listed anywhere yet. I'm just kind of hoping for that. But look at how he responds to Job. Job 38, verse 2 through 21. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Now, I mean, this is, God is responding in a very strong way to Job. And he says, says, if you think that I'm out of control, if you think that I don't have a plan, if you don't think that I hurt with you, that I see what you're going through, he goes, let me ask you some questions that will help clarify this for you. And he begins, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much, who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone? Who kept the sea inside of its boundaries as it burst from the womb? Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this. For you were born before it was all created and you are so very experienced, aren't you, Job? I mean, can you, I mean, the sarcasm isn't even hidden. It's thick, isn't it? And God doesn't stop there. In fact, you should read it this afternoon. It's pretty fascinating. For the next several chapters, God continues in this way. Questioning Job about who he is and who God is. Ouch. I would not want to be on the receiving end of that response, would you? Yikes. But God is pointing out the ignorance and our feelings and thoughts that we can easily have when we hit painful times. God is demonstrating that he's in control of all those questions that if he's laid the foundations of the earth and he causes the sun to rise and the sun to set, he most certainly can keep track of what is happening in your life. And Jesus echoed this when he said in John 16, we just read part of this, in this world you will have trouble. But then Jesus continued and said, but take heart, exclamation point. Why? Even in your loss, even in your pain, take heart and be encouraged. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. Jesus says, I'm victorious over all of this. And to, and to be honest, I don't know about you, but when I hear I have overcome the world and I, I'll be victorious over this, I struggle with that. 
when I'm facing loss and when I'm facing pain. Because if he's overcome the world, then why is humanity so divided? And why are marriages falling apart? And why are kids sick? And why are kids starving? And why do you have to bury a loved one early? And why is life just flat out so hard sometimes? Well, I think the mistake that I make is maybe the same mistake that you make. This is where we kind of get things crossed and it's your next villain. We wrongly evaluate God's goodness and ability based on our own personal comfort and security. This is where we start to go off track just a little bit. We wrongly evaluate God's goodness and his ability based on our own personal comfort and security. And so when things go wrong in our lives, we're confused. When we experience pain in our life, we're confused. When we experience loss, we're confused. It's like we don't have a mental framework for dealing with trouble in our life. Part of it is our Western culture, right? Part of it is our own humanity, Because when we face pain or loss, we wonder if God is even good and we wonder if he's abandoned us. But when Jesus says, I have overcome the world, he's not talking about some quick fix that he's intending to provide for the struggles that we're currently facing. He's talking about how at the end of the day, he is going to be victorious. That at the end of the day, even in spite of our broken life and this broken world, he is going to connect the dots of the randomness of life. That at the end of the day, it's all going to come together. At the end of the day, he's going to finish painting the canvas of our lives. And when we step back and look at the whole picture, it will make sense. At the end of the day, your next fill-in, Jesus will be victorious and everything will point to his glory. Everything will point to his glory. Look at this, Romans eleven thirty six. For everything comes from him and exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Everything. It all comes from him. It all exists by his power. It's intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. Now that's easy to believe when your baby is born healthy and whole, isn't it? It's easy to believe when your spouse comes home from counseling and says, Honey, I realize I've been wrong this whole time. It's easy when the value of your house keeps increasing every quarter. It's easy to believe when the gophers go up 9-0 and on the season. That was a pretty sweet game yesterday. Right? When life is good, it's like we, we just, oh, we can believe that God is good and God is for us. We believe it's all for his glory. Everything's going to work out. When life is good, when we're on the mountaintop, wow, it's easy. But I don't think too many of us have the ability to wrap our minds around the idea. Don't miss this. 
that even in our loss and pain, God is still good and has the ability to leverage it for his glory. It's it's so hard to wrap our minds around this. That in spite of our difficulty, he can bring about for his glory because there's nothing glorious about divorce. There's nothing glorious about losing your innocence as a child. There's nothing glorious about being laid off. There's nothing glorious about foreclosing on a home. Yet scripture teaches us, your next villain, scripture teaches us that in both good times and bad times, God is still good. God is still good. Why? It's because it's who he is. It's his very nature that God is love. And if God is love, God cannot be anything else. He's love. And it's always his nature towards us. Whether we're able to see it or not, God is using every single part of our life for his own glory and for your own good. God is able to take the good out of bad. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. It's all about his greatness and his majesty. It's all about his glory. And I know, though, when you're in the middle of pain, as some of you might be this morning, And maybe you've had some of those thoughts even this week. God, do you even hear me? Are you even around? I read verses like Psalm 22, 24, and it adds courage to my soul, and I hope it does to you. It says, God has never let you down. He has never looked the other way when you were being kicked around. He has never wandered off to do his own thing. He has been right there listening. This picture of a heavenly father that weeps when we weep, that hurts when we hurt because of the brokenness of our world and the brokenness of humanity. He's still right there listening to everything you say. And some of you right now have wondered God, have you wandered off? God, have you left me? Are you letting me down? Or are you still here? And I can assure you that he is. Psalm 145.9, the Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are all over, his, over all his works. He's good to all. Maybe if you grew up in Sunday school, you remember the story about Lazarus, a good friend of Jesus who died and his family came and told him that he was dead and it's the shortest verse in the Bible when it says Jesus wept. He experienced pain and loss. Even though he was the son of God, he feels what we feel. And Jesus' response to Lazarus' death was this happened for the glory of God. And I don't know about you, but that messes up my theology, right? My thinking is, well, if you want God to get the glory, don't ever let him get sick in the first place. Don't ever die, let him die in the first place. Don't ever let her lose her job. Don't ever let him get cancer. How is this going to be for your glory? And the reason we have a hard time wrapping our minds around that is because we live in the immediate. 
We only see what's right in front of us. We don't see the big picture. We think in minutes and hours. We don't think in years and decades or lifetimes. It's hard for us to see all that God is doing to make all things right and all things glorious in his time. But rest assured, it's exactly what he's doing and will do. And so, your next villain, we have to see God's activity in our life as much broader than just today. To expand our spiritual horizon, to recognize that even though we are facing trouble, God is going to use this for his glory somehow, someday. We have to see God's activity as much broader than just today. And for some of you, that's all you need to hear. It gives you hope. But for many of us, we need something more than that because we don't know how we're going to make it through the season that we're currently in. And thankfully, God knows that. And so he extends to you and I the grace needed to make it through our current circumstance. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, my grace is sufficient for you. What does that word sufficient mean? Do you know what that means? It means it will be enough. That even though you can't see how everything's going to turn out, even though you can't see how you'll make it through, even though you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, he says, my grace will accompany you through it and it will be enough. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made, what's that word? Perfect in weakness. And in our weakness, God is able to display his greatness In our weakness, it causes us to say, I can't do this alone, God, and I need your help. And it's in that moment where he's never wandered off and he's never let us down, that he's always been listening, that he rushes back in with his grace and his power for us. And so if you've ever wondered what the goodness of God looks like in pain and suffering... This is it, your next filling. In our pain and loss, the goodness of God looks like grace and power to make it through. It looks like grace and power to make it through. Over the years, I've, I've had hundreds and hundreds of stories of, of heartache and pain and loss, things that I've heard and I've listened to. And you turn on the news and it's nothing but loss and, and, and just depressing and such tragedy all over the world all the time. And so many times I, I turn to my wife and I just say, how, how does someone make it through a tragedy like that without Jesus? How does somebody make it through without his grace, without his strength? See, I don't know what God's grace is going to look like for you as you are walking through hard times, but I know it will be there. And you will discover that God is good in spite of your circumstances. Psalm 34, 18. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. God says, I know in your loss and your pain you think it's over, but it's not. And I can display my power in the weakest moments of your life. 
He says, I'm good even when life isn't. And it will be displayed through my grace and my power that will be enough to see you through. And we have to hold on to him. We have to hold on to him. And it's exactly what Job had to do. In spite of his horrible loss, in spite of unthinkable circumstances, he had to hold on to God even when his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he says, I will not. And as we wrap up, I want you to see how Job responds back to his heavenly father. After this incredible exchange, Job 42, verse 1 and 3, then Job replied to the Lord, God, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, no plan of yours can be thrown off course. And you ask God, who who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Job had the humility to say, you're God and I'm not. And I'll trust you in spite of what I don't understand. I'll trust you in the pain. I'll trust you in the loss. That you're still good and that you're still with me and your grace and your power will be enough. And verse 10 and 12, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter parts of Job's life more than the former part. Now, I don't know about you, but that's how I want my story to end. That in spite of the trouble that Jesus promised us that we would face, that we still hold tightly on to him. And we still see his goodness and we still see his grace. We still see his provision. We still see his power. I don't want to be weaker in the faith because of my struggles. I want to be stronger in the faith to acknowledge his goodness in my life, not just on the mountaintop when it's easy, but to acknowledge his goodness even when I am in the valley. And I don't know where you find yourself today on the mountaintop or in the valley or somewhere in between. But how good it is to remind ourselves that he's still good in spite of our pain or loss. And it looks like grace and it looks like power to make it.